Our scripture this morning is from Luke's Gospel, and the reading is from the first chapter, verses 39 through 45. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child in her womb leaped for joy. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting at the door, the child here, John, leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. I have a theoretical dilemma this morning. Uh, Imagine, if you will, imagine that a Christmas angel appears here before us uh, this morning and and tells us that there are way too many Christmas traditions. They're getting in the way. Way too many Christmas traditions. They're distracting from the Christmas message proper. And and he says, I've been sent to tell you that you need to eliminate two of the following five Christmas traditions. Are you ready for the list? I know you're ready. Number one, Christmas trees and trimmings. Number two, Christmas lights and and candles. Number three, Candy canes and gingerbread cookies and eggnog and all the accompanying Christmas fare, which would also include fudge and and divinity and caramel corn and and fruitcake. Okay, we'll give up the fruitcake, okay? Is everybody on board there? We'll give up the fruitcake? Okay, all right. But the angel says, no, 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 it's all or nothing. Number four, all Christmas music. I thought you were to have my back. Nicole told me the choir will have your back. All Christmas music, carols, hymns, anthems, and all the secular stuff. And and the Christmas angel says, All I want for Christmas is you. I'm so tired of hearing that. (laughs) Number five, white Christmases. Not one snowflake within a week before, on, or after Christmas Day. I'm glad most of the children left because, um, well, hold the thought. Okay, it's crunch time. How do you choose? What goes? You got it. We got to drop two. No, no, Bonnie says, I'm not giving up anything, she says. <laughs> well, I'm guessing that the snow goes first because at my age, well, uh, 
I would choose that, but don't tell my grandchildren and, and to these two young ladies sitting down here, I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> but after snow, it, would, it really gets hard. I think we need a little time to mull this over, sleep on it. Um, maybe the Christmas angel will, will have a change of heart. Uh, There's good precedent for that in Scripture. Uh, God used to change his mind in the Old Testament. Uh, He hasn't changed his mind since he set his heart on on loving us into wholeness and salvation in Jesus Christ. But there's earlier precedent. There is one item on the list, however, that I know is not in jeopardy of being jettisoned All the music that comes with Advent and Christmas. I thought I'd get an amen. You know, maybe we could adjust to Christmas without the Christmas tree or or, uh, lights or sweets if we had to. Uh, I'm not saying it would be easy, but it's doable. But without the music, there is no Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, in Merry Christmas. But because of Mary, M-A-R-Y, the music is here to stay. Another amen. Amen. Hey, you're good. You really are. Tradition holds that the third Sunday of Advent has three uh, components to it. The first is joy. Symbolized by the the pink candle on the Advent wreath. The second is music and lyrics that express the joy. And the third is Mary breaking into joyous song upon visiting her older cousin Elizabeth. In the verse after I stop, the next verse, Mary sings. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her song serves as introit to the gospel that follows. In her singing, Mary becomes for us the premier disciple, a model for us all. She's the very first to hear the announcement that God is with us. And she is the first to believe. And it, it's obvious she's filled with joy. A joy that cannot be contained. You can hear it in her pure, crystal, clear soprano, soprano, Jeff? Soprano, soprano voice. Even though there's nothing in the circumstances of of first century Judea to be joyous about. Judea is occupied by a foreign adversary. Emperor Augustus has just issued a decree that all the world shall be registered, causing for travel at a time of high inflation and high fuel prices. I mean, donkeys require grain, you see. And everywhere you turn, people are hacking and coughing and sneezing with the seasonal flu. Now, I know it's not in Scripture because they cleaned it up, but but it's going on. Life is hard. 
taxes are high, and Mary, well, Mary is young, poor, unmarried, and pregnant. Yet despite her people's oppression, as well as her her own circumstances that, that were caused for depression, Mary believes in the promise of God because it is the promise of God. And she breaks forth in song. In, in the passage I, I shared with you this morning, the reading, it, it's titled Mary Visits Elizabeth. It's the middle section of, of three in which Mary is introduced to us in Luke's Gospel. There are three sections. In the first section, the angel Gabriel visits Mary to tell her that, uh, that she's to conceive, carry, and give birth to the Son of God, who will save humanity, that's us, from sin and the sting of death. In the second section, Mary here visits her older cousin Elizabeth, who herself is with child, Elizabeth's carrying John, who will be John the Baptist. And we're told that when John hears Mary's voice, he jumps for joy. I think this is the only time we find a gospel where, where um, John the Baptist is jumping for joy. Uh, he's a prophet. He was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. Was he not? It is in the third section that Mary breaks into song. But let, let me rewind to verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to, the te- to a town in, in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And he came to her and he said, Do not be afraid, Mary. I don't know about you, but if an angel came to me and, and began with, Do not be afraid, Um, I'm not sure that uh, I think I'd be just a little anxious. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I... I'm a virgin. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, as all children are holy. He will be called the Son of God. And then Mary said, Here I am. The servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. You know, pastors like to hear that response when they ask something of of church members. They like to hear, here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to what you've asked of me. Just tuck that away and hold on to it. (laughs) And then the angel departed from her. You know, as an aside here, this is interesting. Have you ever noticed that all the angels in the Bible are men? I mean, I'm just saying, you know. 
This is hardly your typical reveal. In, in place of colored balloons popping out of a box or colored smoke or colored cake, it is the angel Gabriel that reveals what God is doing in and through these two births. Talk about a reveal. Isn't having a child, especially firstborn, isn't that daunting enough, let alone to be caring the Son of God? And who is Mary going to tell? To whom do you turn to share a secret so, so sacred, so significant? I, I mean, you can't just share it with anyone. Who do you tell? You go to your roots. You turn to family, to a trusted family member. And so Mary set out, went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah, the priest, and, and greeted her cousin Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child she was carrying in her womb, John, leaped for joy. What a striking contrast these two women these two women present us with here. A woman of mature years, heretofore barren, and a young, pregnant, unwed girl. You can only imagine the, the stress the two of them were under. I mean, what a gamut of emotions they, they must have, have been feeling here, dumbfounded, perplexed, excited, no doubt more than a little anxious. They have no idea at this point in time as to what awaits them and their sons. The path before them will hardly end in joy. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you this morning. There will be dark days ahead for both of these women. John the Baptist will be beheaded. Jesus will have his side pierced as a, with a spear as he hangs upon the cross for humanity's sin. Both of these sons will be taken from their mothers as young men in their early 30s. And yet in this moment, in this moment that these two women, these two expectant mothers come together, what is both of these women's response to the news that the angel Gabriel delivered? It's the word for the day. Say it with me. Joy. Pure. Unadulterated joy. Mary is so joyful she can't contain it. She burst into song. Her soul takes flight. Christendom knows uh, her song as the Magnificat. My soul, my soul, it magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. As it turns out, Mary both possesses and expresses a joy that can carry one through any circumstance in life. Be what it may, 
For the joy that she possesses is the joy of the Lord. Where do you find this joy? Well, you just need to open yourself to it. Just open your hearts to it. It's all around. It's everywhere. You just have to open yourself to it. Instead of focusing on life's troubles, you focus on life's joys. I found that the Lord, or the joy of the Lord, personally, I found that the joy of the Lord is best captured in song. You know, I've loved to sing since I was a little kid. First song we all learn, Jesus loves me. Yep. And uh, and I thought I'm going to be a singer. When I'm troubled, I turn on a tune. When I'm sad, I sing. And I'll tell you a little secret here. In breaking into joyous song, Mary did what those in the choir here do every week at choir rehearsal. They escape reality by rising above the drudgeries and the doubts and the dilemmas of life. On the wings of song, it's cheap therapy. Amen. <laughs> I shouldn't encourage them too much, should I? <laughs> Christmas is a season for joyous singing, and no gospel does it better than Luke. Luke ter- tells of the birth of Jesus with song. Mary is told that she's going to be a mama, and what she does, she sings. Elizabeth gives birth to John the Baptist, and John's father, Zachariah, sings. The angels sing. Here in a few weeks, Simeon will be singing. Everybody's singing. I can't say I ever thought of the Bible as a musical before. <laughs> but, but there you have it. That's not far off the mark. What are you carrying in your heart this Advent? Are you carrying a song, a joyous song of praise, no less? What a witness Mary gives. She gives us this song that we need to carry in our hearts. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And there are many such songs, are there not? Many such sacred songs. I I discovered Christian singer Cynthia Clausen in my late 30s, uh, in the late 80s. Yeah, don't do the math. Uh, (laughs) I found that her songs, like Mary's song, resonated with my my soul. A song that I've carried with me from the first time that I heard it is from the first track on her CD that is titled Hymn Singer. And uh, it's titled Hymn, H-Y-M-N. I believe that it, like Mary's song, strikes strikes a chord for all believers. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it to you, okay? All right. But do listen to the lyrics as I close with it. I hear their songs 
Their words of beauty reaching deep within cathedrals of my heart. Angelic choirs reverberate the stained glass windows of saints and sinners in their place, singing out amazing grace, while in the glory of their faith, I'm drawn to find my part and sing it with all my heart. Hymn writer, hymn singer, let me know their eloquence. Let me share their offering. Put the notes in my heart and the lyrics on my lips and let the essence of my life be a song for others that they will want to sing. In the name of Yahweh, Jesus, and the Spiritus Sanctus. Amen.